0: Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Deborah Francis-White. So this is the very first episode of the Guilty Feminist ever broadcast that I am not in. I had to go unexpectedly to the Cardiff International Film Festival because my film was nominated for and delightfully won an award. What this meant was I didn't want to let the Liverpool Irish Podcast Festival down, so I sent the wonderful Alison Spittle, far more Irish than me, and the excellent Kima Bob and some incredible guests to Liverpool... And they made this amazing episode. It was really wonderful for me to listen to it, actually, and hear a full episode of The Girls Feminists that I hadn't attended. I hope you enjoyed as much as I do. They really, really did do a phenomenal job. Before I hand you over to Alison and Kima into their very safe and hilarious hands, let me tell you about a few things that are coming up this week and in the new year. This Wednesday, the 19th of December, is my final book signing of the year at the Choose Love pop-up shop on Fubert's place off Carnaby Street in London. Come down to Choose Love, buy life-saving supplies for refugees who are absolutely freezing. Buy yourself some sparkly Choose Love Christmas merch, get your book signed, have a selfie, and I'm making your friends Christmas videos for a £3 donation to help refugees. On the 20th of December, this Thursday, I will be in Geneva at the UN Human Rights Convention doing Stand Up for Migrants with Hari Kondabolu. We're doing a mini Guilty Feminist episode with Hari's mum. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. And it's also in association with Amnesty International. It is at 8pm at Victoria Hall, Geneva. And if you go to at UN Human Rights or find them on Facebook or look for the hashtag stand up for migrants for like the number, uh, you'll be able to find it. It's first come, first served. It's free. And they would prefer that you have a copy of the flyer or download it or bring it on your phone. So have a little look for that. But otherwise, just turn up at Victoria Hall, Geneva, 8 p.m. this Thursday night. This Friday night, 21st of December, I'm doing a really fun show called Criminal Improv, which is a murder mystery improv show. You can shout out suggestions. It's at King's Place and it's a Christmas special at 7.30pm. Go to kingsplace.co.uk and book your tickets. On the 23rd of December, I'm doing Grace Petrie's Proper Lefty Christmas, see if there are any tickets released for that on the day. And on the 16th of January, I am doing a new Guilty Feminist for the new year at King's Place. So get tickets now for that while you can, kingsplace.co.uk. And do remember that tickets for our big, exciting All Singing, All Dancing live tour, which is going around the UK, are still available and they make great Christmas presents. So pop a couple of those under the tree. And the book is available at Waterstones, Amazon and all good bookshops, please leave a review. That'll be my Christmas present, along with something for Choose Love. Thank you very much. Do remember the podcast goes every Monday, including Christmas Eve. And so we'll see you then. Bye. I'm a feminist, but when my body looks
3: really good, my first thought is I gotta get someone to bone this <laughs> because I need to share this experience. Like, it can't just be about me. Like, I don't know, that's sad. That feels sad. No, I love it. You're treating yourself like a roast joint. You know, do you know what, what I, mean? I
4: mean?
3: Like, someone needs to enjoy this. <laughs> someone needs to burn it goes... goes off. This looks great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
4: Rub some salt in it, you know. It's like, oh, anyway. I'm a feminist, but I wasn't offended when a guy accosted me on the street. And told me to smoke his dick. Because I thought he meant like smoking it in the salmon term, you know? (laughs) I was like, how would one do that? Is it hickory? or
3: Maple. I'd go for maple for sure. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. I'd be like, I'm going to dry roast it. Because that sounds painful. (laughs) It does. Come back, yeah. Guys, I'm a feminist, but my iTunes library is not. <laughs> and it's like such a struggle because Kanye, a moment of silence for Kanye, Jeez. Uh Recently released a song and it's called, I Love It. And uh, the lyrics are, you're such a bleeping hoe, I love it. And guys, I love that song, <laughs> so sad.
4: But that does sound like something my friend would say to me. Like, you are such a whore. Yeah, I love
3: it! I love it, yeah! (laughs) And I'm taking it, I'm like, I just say like, with a lot of songs, I have to, like, repurpose them, like, repackage them. So I interpret that as, you're so sexually liberated, and I support you, girl. (laughs) Thank you, Kanye. Yeah, that is literally every song, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, ooh, shake it. You go, I support you. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. I'm a feminist,
4: but I moved to London this week. And I told my boyfriend he can stay in Ireland because he has to go to a stag party today. Wow. And he's going to fly in next week. And um, I miss him a lot. I miss him because like, there's an empty side of the bed. I miss him because uh, when I was unpacking my stuff I had to go up four flights of stairs with a very large suitcase (laughs) Um, also the biggest time I missed him was when the tube stopped for no reason and I thought there was going to be an attack and normally when I have anxiety about terrorism I always go but he'll be my human shield (laughs) But he wasn't there. Oh my god!
3: Oh. oh, I just have to use these tourists, you know. <laughs> oh god! Excuse me, my boyfriend's not here. Would you mind saving my life? Yeah, exactly. It's not going to occur to me to do it myself. Exactly. Phenomenal. I support that. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh man, oh, a challenging one, challenging one here, guys. Uh, I'm a feminist. But uh, when the other day, when my male best friend uh, and I were walking down the street and he suggested I check out a butt, I did, but then I told him off, but I checked out the butt first. Um, and I honestly wonder if I would have told him off if it was a good butt. I was like, don't waste my time, <laughs> don't waste my gaze. <laughs> It's dead. It's dead.
4: Don't make me objectify a mediocre book. Yeah,
3: post. how dare yes. you? How dare you? If
4: I'm going to demean myself, it's got to be world class. It mass. should be. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but when I moved to the UK, I went to Boots and I saw there was a packet of Femnax, and they're banned in Ireland at the what moment. What is this? Okay, so I'll oh, chip. Let's do my proper I'm a feminist, but I'm a feminist. But I hate when stuff is painted pink and marketed towards women, like razors and pens and stuff like that. But not when it comes to painkillers. Mm. Uh, if I have my period, I want, <laughs> I want a box of painkillers that just says, "Period, period, period, period."
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> uterus period let's go
4: yeah exactly exactly if I could buy a hot water bottle in the shape of a uterus I would and go oh it helps especially with the periods and know it's for me yeah yeah um, but I went to Boots and I saw uh, the Feminax available there and honestly I've bought six packs for my friends for Christmas I'm gonna post them
3: I yeah. expect to receive a box
4: you live here. You're fine. My poor Irish <laughs> sisters are having to Aww. combine painkillers, like plebs. <laughs>
3: <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> live from the Everyman Playhouse in Liverpool, The spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with Alison Fiddle and Kira Bob and our guests Carrie Abel and Alyssa Perry talking about the Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Ooh. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Very
4: nice. Because I listen to the Guilty Feminist a lot and it's almost like I sing along with everyone and I undermine, undermine them. them. Yeah. <laughs> undermine them yeah 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 (laughs) you have to get the tone right if this was sing star you know you have to like get it together undermine them undermine oh wait no now feck it okay Uh, hello Liverpool this is amazing the last time I was here I was accompanying my friend for an abortion so (laughs) it's nice to it's nice to be back under happier circumstances (laughs) I didn't see much to be honest. <laughs> I saw a sandwich shop at the airport in the Bee clinic. It was a flying visit, you know? We couldn't get in a Beatles tour at the time.
3: <laughs>
4: oh, someone's oh, leaving. <laughs> this
3: is like this is my first time here. I saw so many things on the way from the station to this theater. And I feel like I get it. I feel like I understand the Liverpool spirit and like I've had a full Experience, so yeah, thank you for welcoming me into your culture.
4: Yeah, I've seen a place called Pound Cafe. Oh,
3: turn
4: up! I like the sound of it. Yeah, yeah,
3: sounds like some value for sure. Yeah,
4: has anyone ever eaten at Pound Cafe? Yeah, okay, nice. What would you recommend off the menu? You know? say if Anthony Bourdain came and he was like, It's Pound Cafe, tell me more. Uh, what would oh, be God, the best thing? He would dish? have to
3: like resurrect himself.
4: Yeah, i not, that wasn't being realistic. Like, even if he was alive, there's as much chance of him going to the pound cafe Duh. as he is dead. You
3: know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a realistic question. So, so, i Yeah. Do you make any assumptions that you feel aren't harmful? Aren't harmful? Ooh, I know,
4: right? Uh, that's okay, I'm making the assumption that I'm going to get robbed or killed all the time. Well, that is harmful, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'll tell you about one thing. This guy broke into my house once, and...
3: Uh, what is your life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> what is going on? I know. <laughs> we must protect her at all costs. <laughs> oh, man. And I tell me about I, your assumptions. Dude, I think, like, for me, I assume so much. The most irritating assumptions feel like that, where you have to fill in the blanks without evidence. I find myself often wondering mm. whether or not things were racist. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then I just assume they are. Do you mean like situations or? Yeah, like things that happen, say, with a person that you can't follow up with. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, so maybe someone ignoring my presence in a room, or um, least favorite space one is people bumping into me from behind. How can I move? <laughs> but yeah, it's like just weird things, and you're like, is that London or is that my black womanhood? I
4: like you know yeah I don't want to raise your experience but like I've moved to London for four days yeah uh, people are a-holes they're, I was in Little and I wanted to kill everyone
3: yeah, like, yeah. I literally did yeah I'm, I'm and like, that's like for me that's an assumption based in fear yeah but what annoys me about
4: London is like I was in Little and I was like deciding between crunchy or smooth peanut butter right <laughs> they know what they want already and they just Mm -hmm, get in there and mm -hmm. it's like, just let me make a decision, mate. It's weird. Yeah. Do you have that in Liverpool? Like, assholes. (laughs) No assholes.
3: In the whole town. Amazing. It's weird. I like to smile at people and say stuff, you know? I'm like, you look amazing. And nobody wants it. I do that too. I did that too and they look at me like I've literally gone I want to kill you yeah. and your children yeah uh, like you're like oh your skin looks amazing but what they heard was I want to wear your skin <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's really rude
5: uh,
4: like I'm, just accept my love you know <laughs> what I like doing is I like making weird faces at small children like if they stare at me then I'll just like just put my tongue out like that, right? <laughs> But <laughs> I assume they're not able to talk. But then when they do, I run away. <laughs> yeah. They're like, mommy, mommy. And I'm like, Aboard, abort, abort.
3: <laughs> Mission. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. I, yeah, children freak me out. Yeah. I, I assume I'll never have them. Yeah,
4: I do too until. I don't know, it's weird. My friend has a baby, and it's just such a cute baby. I doubt it. (laughs) oh my god. And like, she's two cool parents. It's weird how you, uh, okay, this is the way I feel about it. I didn't want kids before, Hmm. but now I've seen the way my two cool friends have had a kid, and this kid is becoming cool. And I'm like, I'm more than capable. Of Mm. making a cool child. Yeah. But I'm also more
3: than capable of damaging a child as well. That's true, yeah. It feels like 50-50, yeah. It does, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I see myself uh, continuing a cycle of trauma. Very exciting stuff. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) It sounds great. (laughs) But it could be a great artist when it grows up. You don't know. It could turn that trauma into... You know. A comedy career?
4: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh
3: God. You know who I feel like aren't thinking about not having kids is like uncool people. <laughs> They're just doing it. <laughs> so I'm like, do we balance this out? <laughs> I know. But then, you know, with the way that the oceans are rising. Yeah.
4: You're like...
3: Can't just keep popping out people, you know? No, you know it'll just make the seas rise. More mm. people, more waste. Yeah, you know? it's like putting like bath bombs in, and you put too many. <laughs> yeah, and there's just this messy situation. I know you're yeah. like, this is not what I was promised from Lush. This is not a relaxing experience at all. It's just an overflow.
4: Yeah. Okay, would you please welcome to the stage Kima Bob?
3: Oh, God. Hey, guys. Ooh, ooh, what an exciting time. My name is Kima Bob. Nice to see you. Uh, Bob is a last name that I acquired through slavery. Um, and I assume that my slave master was a chill dude. Because, if he wasn't, then my last name would probably be Roberts. You know what I mean? I feel like he was a cool dude. Like, he was like, my dad's Master Roberts. Hey! lemonade for everyone. That's uh, probably a massively incorrect assumption. But hey, why be upset about slavery? The trauma is only in my genes. That's science, not an assumption. (laughs) So uh, with the theme assumptions, I was just thinking, I was like, I'm gonna write about all of the assumptions uh, that I do, but also that I face. Ooh, I know, intense. Uh, Guys, what do I assume about myself? What do I assume about my appearance? Partially, I assume that this hair color, which I uh, call um, (laughs) LGBT-l, it's the best blue-green. It's the best blue-green. Um, yeah, I assume that maybe it would signal them like an artist. Maybe some queer signaling. You know, not the intention, but the assumption. But most people uh, have uh, assumed that it means that I smoke Halloween. <laughs> they wouldn't be wrong. Um, it's crazy. Uh, I feel like a lot of people uh, assume my gender as a lot of people assume everyone's gender. I don't get upset with them because they're correct. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, guys, we got to stop assuming people's genders. Yeah, woke bomb. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Yeah, I also assume, like, and this is me projecting my insecurities, that I look like a person that doesn't like dick. It's my own thing, it's my own thing, my own problem I need to deal with. I assume that everyone is single. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know that awkwardness when someone's like, oh yeah, my girlfriend, and then you have to keep looking at them with the exact same eyes? (laughs) As if you're not hugely disappointed. (laughs) Oh yeah, she she sounds great, so happy you're with someone. Um, yeah, I assume everyone is single, but I never assume anyone's attracted to me. Just feels safer that way. <laughs> then I found out about a term called being flirt-blind, when you just don't know when people are flirting, and now I assume I'm that. That feels safe, yeah, yeah. Dudes, at a party, at a party, I will assume that someone is bitchy before I ever assume that they have social anxiety. I'm like, that quiet girl in the corner, she's judging us all. (laughs) Oh, God. I think we should assume disability more. Yeah, man. I actually made a friend with someone who I thought was a huge jerk. And she was like, no, dude, I just feel way more comfortable thinking about stuff in here than saying stuff out there. And your bad vibes made my anxiety worse. So who's an asshole? Who's an asshole? It's me for sure. Oh, God because assumptions uh, are built on fear. They're built on fear, not evidence. Hmm, hmm. There are a lot of white women in America right now calling the police because they assume that black people don't live where they live. I see, like, oh, my God, the other day, it was like a barrage of, like, tweets, videos of women just being like, do you have a key fob? (laughs) Like, what apartment number are you in? Oh, man, what a big assumption that you're, like, the only kind of person that lives in your building. The assumption that seeing, like, a person of color on the street means you're in danger Here's what I need you guys to realize. There's nothing you have that we want. (laughs) That's a pretty huge assumption that you've made. Who's an asshole? (laughs) So yeah, I just think we should think about uh, the assumptions we make every day. But hey, I'm guilty, you guys. I'm guilty. I assume that old white dudes don't respect me. I just do. I don't know. I'm just like, that guy doesn't like me. Definitely voted to leave. (laughs) But I also don't date white dudes. I prefer not to date white dudes because I assume they're going to offend me. I don't like to be microaggressed where I sleep. It's just a thing. It's just a thing. But this is based on evidence, you guys. It is based on evidence. I've had weird stuff said to me. Like, (laughs) oh, goodness. Like, uh, wow, You're, uh, you're not what I expected a black woman from Texas to be like. What kind of assumptions have you made, Crispin? (laughs) And why is your imagination broken? (laughs) Out of control, out of control. Yeah, I think we can all do better to think about the assumptions that we make every day and whether they're based in fear or evidence. Because I once had a white guy say to me, Kima, It's nice to be around you. I feel like you're (laughs) non-threatening. To which I said, what the fuck did you say? (laughs) Because I want the option. Okay, thanks. Today we're talking about assumptions, which is V-COOL, mm-hmm. and we've got some awesome guests. They're going to talk about something that I think most people assume has been taken care of. I certainly assumed that abortion was more uh, accessible in the UK and in England than it apparently is. Yeah, I assumed abortion is legal here. Yeah, because it's like us irish people go over and shop here a lot you know yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> checking out the malls in liverpool <laughs> that's what we told people uh,
4: <laughs> catching a musical uh, <laughs> So our next guests are Elisa Berry-Ryan, who's a coordinator, and Kerry Abel, who's the chair of Abortion Rights UK.
3: Please clap your hands and welcome Kerry Abel and Elisa Berry! Welcome, you guys. So, uh, guys, how
4: did you get involved with Abortion Rights UK?
6: Okay, um, so I'm the chair and I have been involved for a bit more than 10 years. I think I first got involved, so on the subject of assumptions, I saw a poster in my student union which said one in three women will have an abortion within her lifetime. Is that a surprising fact to you?
4: No. No. Okay, good. good. It's like, I want to know which one of Destiny's Child had one, so I can <laughs> like her
3: more. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> or
4: Atomic Kitten, seeing as we're in Liverpool. <laughs> 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 That's your Destiny's Child. <laughs>
6: um, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but you don't want to guess which one, no. I, though. I,
3: <laughs> I, <laughs> Beyonce. I, <laughs> I'm gonna give. I'll give it that. Yeah, keep going. I feel like at a young age, like maybe like she's like socially active, and her mom is like, "No, Beyonce. I have a plan, and nothing's gonna get in the way. It's a plan C." Yes.
6: <laughs> yeah. So that made me realize that it was more common, and it was an important campaign, especially a feminist campaign, to get involved in. And then, I don't know about other activists, but you usually get involved in things or get yourself tasks when no one else volunteers. (laughs) So you're in the meeting when you have to do something. So that's how I got involved. And I think about 10 years ago, um, there was a big struggle to defend the abortion time limit. So the time limit is... 24 weeks at the moment. And there was a campaign, a sort of pendulum swing campaign to go from bringing it down from 10 weeks or bringing it down to 22 weeks. And there was a big debate in Parliament about it. And so we got involved to defend that. And it was quite a difficult campaign to keep all of our group, to, even pro-choices together on, because um, most abortions happen, 98% of abortions happen with, you know, before 20 weeks. So we were campaigning for a real minority. But what we felt was... A, they are the most vulnerable women. And B, you can't just expect to sell out some people and not have all of your rights rolled back. You know, generally, we really understood this as salami slicing. So that's the most pointed bit of campaigning that I really got involved in.
3: That's really cool. What about you, Alistair?
7: Um, I got involved with abortion rights. Bring um, the mic up
6: to oh, your mouth, sorry. baby. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Jesus, it's why baby. did I say baby? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm a feminist, okay. but... <laughs> I sound like a creepy director when I do. <laughs> Bring it up to your mouth, baby. Yeah. Now tell me how you got involved in abortion rights.
3: <laughs> baby.
4: Funny you should say that. Um, <laughs> I actually... Um,
7: I got involved with abortion rights because at 17 I was pregnant and I did not want to have a baby. Mm. And I feel incredibly fortunate... That firstly, my mum was a total mega babe and mm. supported me in that support, it's a decision. Also, the NHS like, had my back. And I am so thankful that my 17-year-old self made that decision for my 35-year-old self. Mm. I was able to go to universities, to travel the world and make a lot of terrible decisions about men, but that's got nothing <laughs> to do with that. Um, but I, So I, I got... Involved because I think it's the cornerstone of equality. I think without abortion and the way to control our reproductive um, destiny, we will never be equal. I think stigma is still a massive, massive issue and hurdle. That's why I'm sitting here and oversharing with you. I had an abortion and I'm really glad I did. I tell people at the end of. Um, <laughs> no, worries, guys. Um, I talk about this all the time. My friends call me an abortion bore. Um, <laughs> I get into conversations on the tube. I'm in from London, and I'm also not an ar- arsehole, so I'm just saying.
4: <laughs> Prove it. See, you, treat, you, treat abor- you treat abortions like Love Island. You know, like, just talk about it non That's right. I also love that. <laughs>
7: Um, but awesome. basically, yeah, job came up, and I've been there for about five years, and I and, and I love it. Um, it's a women-led organisation, which is badass, really.
3: That's so cool. Yeah, what all do you guys do at Abortion Rights UK?
6: The official sort of strapline is: we exist to defend and extend abortion rights. We make sure that we listen to women, and that we're grassroots and led by women. And the repeal um, election in Ireland. Hey. <laughs> woo-hoo.
3: Yeah, Yeah. ta Ta is Gaelic for yes. Yes, baby,
6: ta, honey. I think that's opened a very useful and brilliant conversation to really explain why women need abortions, why abortion rights are human rights, and how choice is important. We know from the Salvita Halapanava case, unfortunately, in 2012, a woman who died because she wasn't given an abortion, we know that it is life or death situation sometimes. And I think that also changed the conversation in Ireland. I don't know what you think.
4: Oh, it did. It definitely did. So, like, I've been involved in the abortion rights campaign since before Savita died, but I remember there was a lot more people at the next march after Savita died because I think there's a weird thing in regards to reproductive rights campaigns where I found this in Ireland that people can have good abortions or they can have bad abortions. And bad abortions are people that don't want to be pregnant, probably enjoyed themselves while having sex to get pregnant. Like, the good abortions are either people that wanted the child and couldn't continue with the pregnancy, or people that were involved in rape or incest cases. And I found that the way that people talk, I mean, it got better. There was people like Tara Flynn and uh, Roisin Ingle who talked about their abortions quite openly, and kind of change the conversation that way. But I find that the UK and Ireland are very interlinked, especially Northern Ireland, because that's still illegal there. And uh, British people can do something about that by contacting their MP. Like they can do a lot more for Northern Ireland than the Republic of Ireland can because there's no jurisdiction. We don't share a government and Northern Ireland and the UK do. So, and also, I know that you... This is have, a whole geography lesson for uh, me i was <laughs>
3: like, what? How many Ireland's are there? <laughs> <laughs>
4: and it's like I'm teaching you it by abortion laws, you know? Yeah, yeah.
3: It's like Mufasa
4: Mufasa and Simba just <laughs>
6: looking beyond. That's where no abortions are allowed. All of
0: the islands. <laughs> and
5: here
6: where the sun shines. All yeah. of the islands, it's difficult. Gibraltar, no abortion. Isle of Man, no abortion. Yeah. off the coast
4: Yeah, because when I accompanied my friend, there was a lady from the Isle of Man, and it's all about inconveniences, all about, like, you know, people having to fly. But I just want to ask, and this is a curiosity on my behalf, so there was a Victorian law that made abortions illegal, and that's still there, isn't it? I just want to, yeah. So
6: I think Hema opened up this conversation by talking about assumptions, assuming that abortion is legal. And abortion in England, uh, Wales and Scotland is legal in certain circumstances. So the Abortion Act, the 1967 Abortion Act, which is 51 years old now, it uh, legalised abortion in certain circumstances, and I'm roughly going to sort of it: if you're less than 24 weeks gestation, if two doctors agree, and if you can show that it will cause some mental or physical detriment. So obviously, that can be interpreted in different ways. And some doctors will say, because it is way, way, way safer to have an abortion than take a pregnancy to full term, some doctors say just on that basis alone, it will always be a sort of physical, that box is always ticked. But because there were raids a few years ago on GPs, a newspaper filmed women who had cameras in their bags asking for an abortion, because doctors now know that's happening. I don't know if anyone's had this experience, but doctors will often now try and get you to say the words in almost the legal language, in case you're recording them or something. Which paper did that? Telegraph? I think yeah. it was a telegraph. Ah,
4: oh, I suspected
6: them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's ruined some doctors' careers. I mean, they were all... None of them were prosecuted, but I don't think any of them are back practising abortion medicine yet. And
7: it also created a chilling kind of effect on doctors, which means that they're not able to kind of best serve their patients because they're concerned about kind of like what could happen. I think what's really important, like as Kerry explained, so you can have an abortion in the UK, um, apart from... um, England and Wales, let's and get Scotland. it, and Scotland. But if you dodge any of those barriers of access... So, for example, if I, tomorrow, found out I was pregnant, I was like, shit, don't want to be. I went on the internet and I got some pills. I'm breaking the law. And the law I'm breaking is from 1861, before women had the, um, the chance or the right, or won that right. We also shout out to them for, um, for doing that. That means that I could go to prison for life. And it's 2018, just yeah. a, the 1861.
3: Oh, like, it's not 1861. 1861. My God, yeah. what time is it? But in in,
6: Ireland, in Northern Ireland, it's still 1861. Yeah, it's insane. So you're fighting against
4: politicians that are like anti-abortion rights, but also there are people that are anti-abortion rights that like are outside <gasps> of abortion clinics. What are you doing, and how can we support you in regards to fighting those bastards?
6: Yeah, I don't think I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. True. Sorry. <laughs> So our campaign, we want abortion to be legal, and that is definitely you know, a big part of it. But we also want abortion to be free, and we want it to be safe. That's partly why um, it's, important. Local. it's important to be legal. And I think another part is for it to be local. So as we talked about the hassle, but also the expense of travelling if you're coming from Ireland or Gibraltar, Sometimes women from Scotland who are, there's no post-18-week abortions in Scotland, so they say that they follow the 1967 Abortion Act, but they don't actually perform the whole of it. So women have to also travel from the Highlands and Islands and from Glasgow to come down if they're having a later abortion. So we campaign for all of those things to make it, you know, normal, not stigmatised you know, easier. If it's a woman's choice, we want to make that kind of flow as easy as possible. We have a big problem with clinic protesters, anti-choice clinic protesters, because they feel like it is their right. They feel like they're getting some traction as well. So they stand outside abortion clinics and say things like, don't hurt your baby, you're a good mother, you know, things like that. And they... Carry extremely graphic banners, huge banners, in my opinion they 're not even accurate i don 't think they are kind of pre twenty four week um, fetuses, but you know they 're not going to listen to reason, are they and they don 't understand science. they still peddle these myths that you can get breast cancer if you have an abortion that you 'll be infertile if you have an abortion. This is not the case oh, the NHS website is very explicit on this; they obviously know that they have to bust these abortion myths so There's a sort of specific section on the NHS website to explain that. So they give out all this bullshit information. And we have a police force that doesn't police it. Um, We have a government and a health secretary that doesn't think it's important for women to get appropriate, safe access to their health care. Even if you're going in and asking a question, you get this. And we have had some cases of the activists, the clinic protesters, sort of pulling at people's elbows So if you ever see that, please report it to the police. If you ever see somebody outside a clinic with a banner or with leaflets, you know, anything, report it to the police because we're having a really tough time explaining to the police why they shouldn't be there. Elisa, when she was on the phone to them, had a really interesting conversation where the police said, oh, when you came, there was handbags outside, wasn't there? Like, we're causing the problem by just kind of trying to show the other side, the majority. There's only... um, There's a recent poll where only 6% of the whole country think that abortion should be legal in any circumstance, so 94% of us are the huge majority. People may not talk about this because of all the stigma, and that really helps the anti-choice brigade, but we're far and away the majority, and I don't know if you've seen some of the videos of um, people approaching the clinic protesters and having a go at them outside Blackfriars, there was um, an abortion provider that hired a GP surgery in South London. Uh, they did that because with the pill, taking the two pills, because in 1967 they imagined it would be a surgical procedure. They mm-hmm. said that they had to be on you know, hospital premises with licensed people. But now... I think it's 50% of people have a medical abortion, which is you take a pill on the first day, you come back the next day, you take the second pill. we we'll be able to do that at home soon. We, we um, have campaigned for... It started in Scotland, actually, but now women in England as well, England and Wales and Scotland, can take the second pill at home. Yeah. We're, we're trusted to... That's wild. But because of this kind of slightly backwards uh, position we're in with the law, abortion providers decided they wanted to be more local, so um, GP surgeries are really useful. So they hired this GP surgery on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Abortion clinic was Tuesdays and Thursdays, and people could be booked in for that. But the aunties decided that they'd um, picket this clinic, and they were quite successful almost. Like, the GP surgery were really wobbling and saying that they um, wanted to give notice on the Abortion providers because it was causing such a stink. But the really interesting thing is that the clinic protesters didn't protest Tuesdays and Thursdays; they protest Wednesdays, which was Mother and Baby Clinic. Because you're they... like, you're too late, mate. I think I think the assumption was that people with cute babies would really hate abortionists. But actually, women who've gone through nine months of pregnancy yeah. and have small children are acutely aware of how much yeah, effort choice <laughs> And so they are very pro-choice. And more than 50% of abortions now are from women who've already got one child. So this myth of like uh, silly young teenagers who don't know what they're doing, who are just willy-nilly having sex and then getting pregnant and needing to get rid of it, is actually a myth that um, yeah. we should bust because that's not the situation. But um, these women who, you know, uh, there was a video of a heavily pregnant, eight-month pregnant woman who let rip on these protesters. And they were actually, there's one woman there in the video who does media. I've met her on different shows. She does sort of anti-choice media. So she was the one leading it. But the other protesters were really not very comfortable with having the truth sort of put in their face. Mm.
4: That's amazing, because I normally look up... uh fights at mcdonald's to wind down
6: <laughs> <laughs> but
3: now <laughs> i'm gonna look up yeah. fights outside abortion outside of, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right so like in addition to that harassment uh getting in the way of access what like other things impede access
6: we haven't got the statistics because they're not collected but we are not. Enti- uh, we have lots of anecdotal reports of GPs not giving women the right information. So GPs sometimes tell women they're too far along for an abortion. There was some anti-choice American uh, research that said if you show a woman the scan of the fetus, that they will change their mind. They do that in Texas. So, it's the law. W-
3: yeah, they because of this research, they have to make them yeah. show them the because, ultrasound because Weirdos. the
6: thinking is that women will change their mind because we're. So fickle. We don't understand what will happen in, in, the, in our lives. Somebody has told me that her GP showed her, took a scan and showed it to her before wow. he would refer her for an abortion. They showed me.
3: when yeah.
6: They showed you. Yeah.
4: And, and
3: that's not the law. No, it's not. Just it, 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 it's
4: making it's trauma, it was a
7: traumatising experience if they asked not to. Um, you, I,
4: you asked them not to show you. I asked the
7: scan. Them not to. And I think there's a couple of things in terms of understanding barriers to access. I think there's the kind of the idea of someone being sort of anti-choice and kind of um, giving you false information. They're not allowed to do that by law, but it doesn't stop people. And let's be very clear, most people don't, like most doctors will do the right thing, okay? But I think It's also, there's some really practical things about having a busy life. You could be a mum already and you're just not able to make those um, um, two vixen visits. Visits? Those two two vixen visits.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
4: You've got to call it that. um, Or do I let you in? Or what if you're in an abusive relationship (laughs) and you can make one excuse to get out of the house once, but Mm. the second time it might be harder and it might endanger you. Also,
7: if you're not documented yeah. um, and so or a migrant person or I, I mean I, I think there's, there's lots and lots of really understandable reasons why mm-hmm. people might go outside of the law. Mm-hmm. I think also the other thing is is a lot of people don't understand that we have these very very strict old laws in place so that people might be doing it and breaking the, the law without even knowing and mm-hmm. I think that's really mm-hmm. important. So
6: is there a campaign to get this law repealed?
4: Mm-hmm. Yes. You should say
6: that. <laughs> <laughs> we have moved on quite quickly and I do you think it's because of our Irish sisters sort of pushing this and changing the conversation? Because the 40th anniversary of the Abortion Act was straight on the back of us having to defend legislation, having to try and hold on to what we already had. But the 50th anniversary last year, we had a completely different conversation. It's always been a goal of abortion rights to decriminalise abortion. I'm standing on the shoulder of giants, but one of the women who was involved in the campaign in 1967 said that when they passed it, they were um, having champagne in Parliament and she wouldn't let any of the campaigners have four glasses of champagne. She said they were only allowed half glasses of champagne because they'd only done half a job. Doctors had the choice, women didn't yet have the choice. So we're campaigning for four glasses of champagne. Yes, champagne
3: for everyone! (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing.
6: Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But, but we do need your help to um, to convince your MP and to give the courage of the conviction, because I think a lot of MPs are pro-choice, but they're worried a lot of um, actually a lot of people say to me, oh, Kerry, you know me, I'm pro-choice, but um, my constituency is very Catholic and, you know, I couldn't pull this one off. Um Catholics quite a, quite, quite a lot of Catholics are pro-choice and a lot of them, everyone has abortions. Yeah.
4: Ireland was told it was a c- very Catholic <laughs> country and we're like, yeah, we're a la carte Catholics. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we pick and
6: choose. Most people <laughs> don't do what their leaders tell them to do. So we need to have lots of emails to MPs to make sure that a- they know about the vote. There's going to be a vote on the 23rd of October. It had been drafted for a while. The MP is Diana Johnson. She, whoop, whoop. she yes... <laughs> Diana J. Yeah. (laughs) She drafted it for England and Wales, but Northern Ireland's now been put in there because um, we just really pushed to make sure that they understood that it wasn't acceptable to keep leaving, you know, Northern Ireland out of the equation. And repealing bits of the legislation that would take the criminalisation out of the 1861 Act um, helps them as well. So I'm really pleased that that's happening. You can find your uh, MP's email address on things like... They work for us, or those websites. Our website is www.abortionrights.org.uk. We're running a, an offer for Guilty Feminist podcast listeners Whoa. to uh, join for, to join for half price. So if you go to abortionrights.org.uk, it's twelve years,
7: pounds a year. It's
6: abortionrights.org.uk forward slash gfpod. So please do that. Oh, um, We love a sale.
4: So can I? <laughs>
6: So, can I just ask, uh,
4: just to make sure? So, if this thing passes next week, then people in Northern Ireland that get abortion pills. No? What? Yes. It's not quite that the, quick. It's not, it's not that quick, but it's, oh. it's the first step. Towards okay. That. It's like everything about abortion. They're like, oh, you have to get it done quick, uh, but not the laws. Yes, Do you know what absolutely. I mean? <laughs> There's no rush in regards to abortion laws, but plenty of rush when it comes to getting one.
6: Essentially, the 10-minute rule bill is something that any MP can put through. It's sort of saying, don't be surprised, we're going to bring a bill in. Uh, I wanted to say about contacting your MP, it's not just to give them courage of the conviction. You can change their mind, we noticed that when we contact MPs, sometimes they didn't realise the enormity of what was going through, but also they went, oh, I hadn't seen it like that. I didn't know one in three women had an abortion. I didn't know that there was this postcode lottery. I didn't know that you could be criminalised. I didn't know you had to get two doctors' permission. So this is actually something that it would be very useful for you to educate your MP on and express your opinion on it and so that they don't hear from the usual middle-class white men.
7: Also, can we be sort of really heartened by the fact of the incredibly joyful and incredible job that the islands did? That activism actually works. That you can change people's minds and you can get shit done. I know things are very depressing at the moment, but I really want to know you to all know that you literally can be an active. Part of this, please, please write to them. Tell them that you're pro-choice and you will not stand for your sisters in Northern Ireland being left out in the cold again and again and again. It's unacceptable.
4: Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. People should come to Liverpool for fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That should be the new tagline now that abortion <laughs> is legal in Ireland. Liverpool, not just for See abortions, you know. <laughs> or football, Wow <laughs>
3: wow. Whoa, 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 How would you feel about Alison doing some stand-up? Hey. Hey, Alison, you want to do some stand-up? I'm already getting up. Whoa, she's stand it.
4: Hello. So, uh, today's show is about presumptions, and I want to talk about a presumption I made that I... I...
3: Assumptions! Oh, assumptions, not presumptions. The you presumed, I assumed.
4: Oh. <laughs> what is the difference? What is the difference? This is not in the stand-up. Guys, okay, I assumed something, because I'm sure it's the same thing, right? So, i <laughs> I, I presume. I support you hundred percent. I
3: know. I the know. topic for today is presumpt/slash assumptions. Yes.
4: Deborah wouldn't have done this.
3: She would have. You guys assumed Deborah would be here. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: So this show. <laughs> this show is about assumptions, right? And I made an assumption that I really shouldn't have. I I made it when I was 15 years old. I was in my hometown drinking a blue WKD with my friends. (laughs) You'd assume that would be okay. And um, I was drinking it and there was this guy who is from my estate. And we used to argue all the time. And uh, we were arguing a lot that night. And I I think it is due to the WKD. But I, I didn't know how to stop arguing with him. So I said to him, look, we could argue all night or you could just punch me in the face. (laughs) Those are your options, right? Now, I assumed he would be so shocked that he wouldn't punch me and and no longer fight, right? I assumed wrong, right? I woke up on the floor, right? (laughs) And all of my friends had gone and this guy had gone cause they were just, because I was knocked out and they were afraid, they were all like 15. And uh, this old man was standing over me. He had like a walking stick and a flat cap on. This is like 11 o'clock at night and he was poking me in the face <laughs> with his walking stick. And he couldn't have sounded her Irish. He was like, get up now child, get up. <laughs> And my eyes flicked open, right? And he goes, I've after seeing everything. And a cowardly bastard is hidden behind the Protestant church, right?
5: <laughs>
4: so, so, he lifted me up anyway. And in my hometown, there's no hospital or medical facilities, right? But there is a fast food chain restaurant called Supermax, right? So he brought me there, it was the second best place, right? <laughs> And he brought me in and the bouncers, uh, we have security guards in our fast food restaurants. I'm sure you do too, like, do you? Yeah. You need it, come on. Uh, So they brought me in, the security guards were looking at me and they're like, oh, you okay? Do you need some ice for your face? You look really beaten up, are you okay? And I realized having all these men around me that I had some power that night, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I could get some ice for my face. Could I also get a Mighty Mac burger meal as well, (laughs) please? So I was sitting in this restaurant, eating my chips, right, and having my burger. And all these older men were coming up to me, and they'd just come out of the pub, and they were like, who would hit a 15-year-old girl in the face? What kind of bastard would hit a 15-year-old girl in the face, right? And at that moment, I felt like Caesar, right? <laughs> I had some choices to make. I was like, should I say? And I was like, feck it. I said, it's Stephen Ryan and he's hidden behind a Protestant church. Right? <laughs> so, so I saw about eight men try and fit themselves into a Nissan Micra, going up and down my town looking for this guy, right? I was just sitting there, and the, the bouncers came up to me again. They're like, "You okay? Do you need a refill of the ice?" And I was like, "Yeah, I do. Yeah, can I also get an ice cream and muffin, please?" Right? And I had myself an ice cream and muffin, and it was amazing. Right? Now I, I swear to I, look, punch in the face aside, best night of my life. Like, best night of my life ever. I felt like Kim Kardashian. Like, people can do enough for me. Do you know so I told that story on Instagram once, just because I was like going through different parts of my town and I was kind of doing like an unofficial tour but I forgot to change his name, right (laughs) and I used his real name right, and I got a Facebook message two days later from his mother, right that said Dear Alison I don't know who you think you are which you have after libeling my son very badly. My son would never, ever hide behind a Protestant church. <laughs> like... So guys, have you, anyone got any questions that you'd like to ask? Hey.
7: Hello. Hello. Hi. I'm Emma from the Liverpool Irish Festival. Just wanted to say Thank you so very much for being here.
3: Thanks for having us, Emma.
7: We're so proud. <laughs> like, proud. Um, one of the questions that I've got is that following the referendum, there are still some people, I think, who don't know what actually is going to happen now because it isn't that it's legal now to have no. an abortion in the Republic, is it? And no, I just it's... wondered if you could talk through what that process is going
4: to be and how we might be able to support that as well. Yeah, so yes, President the government, Alison. <laughs> I'm now an expert. No, I'm not. Um, the governments are being very good because there is such a resounding percentage for yes. It's actually kind of made the process a bit smoother. So people from the anti-choice side can't say that they are kind of in. It's it's like the whole leave, remain thing here, right? You lost by a very small percentage, so you can still complain. And go, and I'm, I'm, I'm sad you're leaving. Like, I've got a bridge passport. I'm very sad that you're leaving, because I'll have to get two. But, um, and, you know, I don't have that much room in my handbag for two <laughs> passports. But at the moment, they're kind of uh, going through the different laws and figuring out, uh, especially about doctors who are anti-choice and want to not give healthcare to women who need it. So what we're doing at the moment is they're deciding whether like, there's going to be a list of anti-choice doctors that you can avoid so you don't find out the hard way. You know, and you're like, oh, you're a prick. Oh, Dr. Kennedy or whatever. I didn't know. Uh, you know, it's like Tinder dating. <laughs> Are you pro-choice? <laughs> Just. Uh, and, uh, so, so they're, they're kind of sorting that out at the moment. Uh, there's still 12 women every day going across the water to get an abortion here, Northern Ireland. I'm just so upset about them, and I just because I feel they get ignored all the time. And the only time that Northern Ireland is in the news is when the DUP is annoying the Conservatives, <laughs> Do you know. And it's just oh, I feel like Northern Ireland is like the ignored child from both the Republic and. The UK and it's quite sad. But uh, sorry to answer your question. Um, yeah,
3: <laughs> I was like, this is space talk to me. I'm so sorry.
4: <laughs> to Answer your question. It seems like it's gonna be smooth, and within a few months that will be legal. And it's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be with GPs, so people can't really protest because it's gonna be available with every GP. You're not gonna know whether they're up to 12 weeks. Up to 12 weeks. Yeah, we're still. You're, you're still that, gonna like. I think Liverpool might might burden. not
6: just have. Uh, It might might just not be tourists from Ireland completely.
4: (laughs) Okay, so we could go Liverpool, not just for early
6: abortions. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. It's getting longer and longer each time. (laughs) I think that's important. I think because um, especially in Liverpool, that you have to welcome so many women over. Women from the North can also apply for money to come over for free now. They get their abortion paid for and some travel money, but we've Notice that that's still a problem for women who don't have passports, for women who've got childcare, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, who have to earn a living, you know, things like this. So there's still a big campaign to be had. We're a UK um, campaign, so we're focusing on challenging MPs in Westminster at the moment, but it's a general campaign to keep the NHS properly funded, to make sure the stigma doesn't affect teachers teaching it properly in schools, that people can talk about it, that it is in culture and in society. I think that a woman had... Abortion on EastEnders, but that's the first, you know, it's 2018 and it's the first, you know, soap where there's been an abortion.
4: Oh, yeah, Sharon. Sharon had an abortion years ago. Do you remember that? Oh, was that? it? Was, it was Sha- yeah, I remember when I was a kid, right? It was the first ever. I was like, abortion? What's that? And it would mostly be Sharon just biting her fist, going, no, because she was sad over it, because it made her infertile. Bum, 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 ducka But then she had Denny and now her life is grand again. But there does seem to be, like, a punishment. I really wanted to talk about this and I forgot. Let it be a warning to the rest of you. Um, just about abortion in film and TV, it tickles me somewhat. You were chatting about cabaret. Oh, so
6: a woman has a, an abortion in cabaret and... What a musical she's, number. She's you know? fine. In, um, the University of California did a study a few years ago and found that in Hollywood, Western Hollywood films, 90, more than 90% of women who have an abortion in the storyline, end up dying, which is not the, uh, the rates in real life. Yeah. So I think there's a real moralising, and it's so pervasive in our culture that we need to have these conversations. We've got a hashtag, #WhyDecrim so that people can say, because I trust doctors, because I trust women, hmm. because we're not living in 1861, hashtag. But Why decrim.
4: Can I just say, like, you know... It sounds like a lot, 90% of people that have abortions in films end up dying, but you know, 100% of people that have abortions end up dying eventually. <laughs> you know? On
3: that very
6: positive note. Um, but 0.003 die from a result of their abortions. What is Zero, real...? 0.003. Well, well,
4: well. Also, Dude, don't Dancing
6: like is a really pro choice film. It
7: is! Yeah. So it's okay to like it.
4: No, <laughs> um, pro choice question. to find Patrick
3: Swayze sexually attractive. Oh. I'm well, pro well,
7: uh, all your choices.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sorry. So I had to do my. Uh, that's how I've gotten attention. So six months old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. We have, <laughs> Another question? Another question at the tippy top. <laughs> not from Patrick Swayze? No, it's not.
5: He's,
8: uh,
3: <laughs> hello. In regards to
8: anti-choice people that can protest outside of abortion clinics and stuff, where do we stand in our rights for pro-choice people? What can we do to kind of
4: confront them? And how should we That's confront great. them? What, uh, yeah, it, In Ireland, there was anti-choice people protesting outside maternity hospitals with, like, large pictures of fetuses for the crack. And <laughs> they should get a different crack, hobby. like Irish crack?
3: It's- Irish crack, yeah. Jeez, crack means
6: totally different stuff. I know. In a kind of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still fun? I don't know. I think there's different opinions on this. So abortion rights generally takes a position that we don't want any drama outside clinics. It's difficult from a distance to tell if somebody's a friend or a foe. So that's one reason. The second reason is the police only really tend to get involved when they think there might be a kind of what what they call handbags. And we don't want to create that level of drama. What we have been encouraging people to do is just phone the police. But, um, you know, phone the police and say you don't think these people should be there. So they have to get them off the premises. But also tell your MP that you don't think they should be there. Tell your council. Ealing in West London, they had a problem outside their Mary Stopes clinic. People were very, very loud. So that became a real problem, not only for the people who work in the clinic and the women trying to access it but the local residents and the local businesses were pretty hacked off with it as well so that became a bigger campaign and the local council is doing a pilot process of looking at clearing them away actually clearing everyone away from outside the clinic we're looking at whether that should be a national thing but we essentially don't want people to have to deal with any drama outside clinics we're Trying to make it a healthcare issue rather than a policing issue. If you're accessing your healthcare, you shouldn't have any barriers. And we think the Secretary of State for Health should should make that happen. In America,
4: they have similar issues where people protest outside of clinics, and they have people that uh, escort, you know, people that need healthcare. Is there any service like that in the UK, where anyone can volunteer and just be nice to people?
7: there's certainly a few organisations that are kind of locally run. Like, for example, in Ealing in West London, there's sister Supporter who have been... ..who, who have been, oh, <laughs> been organising... and in the house yeah, um, ..who have been organising and doing an incredible work in the community. What I want to be able to say to the person that asks the question, this is what you can do and this is the solution, and unfortunately, it's not that simple, and it's a bit... You just need to write to your MPs Tell them that this is a problem. Say that this is
6: harassment because it is harassment. If you're having an abortion and you want it, then definitely email the clinic beforehand and they will make sure that you get in and out safely. We're actually also working with the trade unions that represent the workers who work in these clinics because they get the most harassed. They're there every day. So we've been working with the trade unions who cover them too.
8: A charity of the week. So my name's Beth and I'm the secretary of the Homeless Period Liverpool. So, ah! well, thank you. I'll to introduce myself. So a bit about what we do. We provide sanitary products to women and people who have periods, and we do this by having big pink donation bins in various different locations across Merseyside. And you're more than welcome to put in some sanitary products. At the moment, we're really looking for knickers of all sizes and baby wipes. We then have volunteer-led sessions where we create the packs and then distribute them to various different charities across the region, from women's refuges, homelessness centres, food banks. Our ethos is very much if anyone in here like, needed a pad or a tampon, we'd give it to them. It's ba- um, access to everyone. This is really a short-term solution, however. We were doing it for about two years, and now we're going to be looking more to long-term ultimately to end period poverty that's got to come from a governmental and policy level. So we want to be doing a lot more lobbying and campaigning and also partnering up with a lot of the other period poverty organisations in the UK... Another branch of what we do is creating like inclusive women led spaces, and these are spaces to network, collaborate, socialize, and generally just celebrate how brilliant we all are. Um, another thing that we do is about education, so we really want to destigmatize periods and the myths and shame that goes around them, both in the UK and across the world, because it's more prevalent in other societies. So we're always looking for volunteers if anyone wants to come to the sessions that we do, or if you've got a particular skill that you think we can. Utilise, please just give us a shout. Um, so, yeah, our Facebook is the Homeless Period Liverpool, as is our Instagram. Our Twitter is HB Liverpool. So, yeah, thank you for listening. And if you want to pull us at the end, me and my friend Joe, we will be collecting on the door. That's the other thing. Yeah, if you want to give any small change, that'd be absolutely amazing. Like, I know you think that it might not touch the sides, but we're really not an international NGO. We're a grassroots movement, and any change that you can spare would really help. We're actually looking to buy a banner so we can be more visible at protests and demonstrations so that's just an idea of what your money could go towards today. So thank you for listening. Girl, I hear
3: change. I literally... I hear change, like, jingling in the audience already. That's hilarious. Someone was like, "Oh, count my coins, yes." Jingle, jingle, jingle. She was asking for small change. I would like to encourage big change. (laughs) So, to
4: the bottom. Beautiful. Um, We're going to do the plugs now. So, if you would like to
6: plug your organization, we got
4: anything to plug?
6: I think I did that already, but let's let's go for it. So, um, three things. Make sure you email your MP to explain to them why we need decriminalisation, why we need to decriminalise abortion. The second thing is join abortion rights at abortionrights.org.uk forward slash GF pod and you get it for half price. And the third thing is use your voice, make sure that people know that one in three women have an abortion, that it is a human right and we're using the hashtag at the moment Why Decrim?
4: Beautiful.
3: I what think about- also um, a thing is to send positive feedback to the MPs that are doing things. So, sending love to Diana Johnson, who's Definitely. like pushing yeah. that stuff forward. Because I'm sure she'd be getting that hate mail, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can even that out a little bit. <laughs> and what about yourself, Kima? Oh, what me anything to plug? <laughs> uh- <laughs> Uh, if you're in London, I host a monthly comedy night showcasing uh, women and non-binary people of color in comedy. We have a hundred percent no white dudes on stage guarantee. Unbeatable. <laughs> Unbeatable in comedy. Amazing. It's really like no dash white dash dudes. Like it's <laughs> boom a thing. That's. <laughs> That's like, you know, some restaurants were like, no, MSG. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's
4: essentially what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I suppose what I have to blog is my Twitter, at Alison Spittle. Yeah. Uh, I've moved to London and uh, I am bricking it. So <laughs> I'm doing an Irish tour in January. I'll be stocking up nice. on my crisps and <laughs> sausages. <laughs> Your sausages over here disgust me. Uh, <laughs> The skin is too thick. It's just Uh, 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 mate. you uh, know what I mean? uh. It's like a prophylactic. It's like Uh, sausage uh, meat uh. in a prophylactic. Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) I'm sure, look, this has been so lovely. Uh, I just want to say before we end this, thank you so much to you, the audience of Liverpool. You're amazing because you didn't have to be here. You could have been angry. And you could have went fuck this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've been so lovely and accommodating to me and Kima, so I just want to say thank you to Appreciate you. you guys. So thank you so much, guys. Yeah. It's
3: been awesome. We were so like, we were talking about it. We were talking about it a bit before the show, and I was like. Maybe it'll help if I change my ethnic identity to Deborah Francis White. Yeah. Uh, that would be an amazing ethnic identity, not just white. Yeah, but Deborah, Deborah Francis, Francis White. white.
4: Yeah. yeah, it's a special one. You have been listening to the guilty feminist so keep up, up and me, Allison.
3: There's going to be a break. Where's Tom? I need a man! I'm a feminist, but where's Tom? That's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Tom, how long is it? How long is the interval, Tom? Oh. OK. Do you want to chat about the, OK. We OK, can. this is good, Tom. Thanks. Tom, <laughs> we've had enough of your madness. We banish you. <laughs> Until two minutes from now when we will need you again. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed
7: up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
1: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.